0: Greatness is not about what I can do for me, right? It's not a, it's not a selfish thing, it's, it, if it is about me, it's about being a light that, that shines and helps other people.
1: This is The Playbook. I am so excited because I have one of my alma mater, one of my alumni from high school, Patrick Henry High School's best athlete of all time, Ricky Williams, he also, by the way, played football at the University of Texas, UT, won the Heisman Trophy, played 11 years in the league, a legend in my mind on the field, but I'm more interested, Ricky, welcome to The Playbook, to talk about your playbook off the field. And you can mention maybe how it applied to when you were on the field. Um, The first time I met you, you were living with a kid that uh, went to our high school and you were very introverted, Uh, you know, you're very calm, as an energy or a frequency. And it really, I kept saying, man, I've seen this guy. He's like a tornado on the field. And how is he, you know, completely opposite (laughs) off the Marshall Falk kind of has that as well. Yeah. Um, Do you know, or did you know when you were younger that you had a different frequency uh, than the normal hyper-competitive, ego-conscious athlete that was out there? Or uh...
0: Really, no. I had no idea until... Um, really until my junior year in college when uh, I won the Dope Walker Award that goes to the best running back in the country. And so I went to, at the time it was in Orlando, the Home Depot College Football Awards. And I was around like football football players, the best in college football from around the country. And that was the first time I realized, like I had that feeling of, I don't feel like I fit in, like I fit in here. There's something there's something different about me but i think i did a really wonderful job choosing to go to the university of texas cuz it was a place where i felt i could fit in and feel like and feel like family and be accepted for who i was and so i wasn't really aware that i was you know that different and i think you know we had a, a bunch of like-minded individuals on that team but as i left that that you know that cave that environment and went out into the real world that's when I realized, whoa, this is different.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, your brand, the Heisman, you know, obviously it's a double entendre of the great award that you won, but it's really about the spirit of excellence. And it was blessed to run Lee Steinberg, as you know, and around the spirit of excellence with not only just athletes, celebrities, entertainers, but billionaires, millionaires and entrepreneurs that have a different frequency or awareness. Um that spirit of excellence—is that something that is born into you, uh, or are we all connected to and through it, and <laughs> we just have to figure it out?
0: Yeah, I think definitely we're all we're all born with the potential, the potential for that excellence, but you know it takes some kind of trigger, like anything, takes takes some kind of trigger from the environment to really to really get started and set it on fire. And I think for me, it was it was early. I think I grew up, I grew up in a very religious family. And so we were in church two sometimes three times a week and i remember being fascinated sitting in church listening to the preacher or the sunday school teacher specifically tell stories about jesus and to me that that was my first example of of that spark of greatness and and i think what stuck with me at that early age is that greatness is not about what i can do for me right? it's not a it's not a selfish thing it's, it, if it is about me, it's about being a light that, that shines and helps other people. And that's something that has always been at the, the core of, of me and driving me to be successful in, in everything that I've, that I've done.
1: And there's an attitude of non-conforming. You know, I feel as if in society that when we don't have courage, we conform meaning when we don't learn to love ourselves or look within uh, and be a part of everything that we end up just conforming and not really utilizing that spirit of excellence, like you have found in Jesus or whoever else. Well,
0: you know, it's interesting because the idea of, of, of conforming, I think the way we're built, you know, because in order to get the love of our parents, we have to start conforming really, really, really early. And so I, I think it's people that are, that are really are seeking greatness Right, they all we all start out conforming, and then we realize if we conform, that's we're not going to be we're not going to be great. And so the lack of conformity comes from there's a stronger drive to to manifest that excellence than there is to to fit in. And if that happens, there's there's always you're always going to create a nonconformist.
1: And you know, I've studied Kabbalah, I've studied The Course of Miracles, still do six straight years every single day to try to understand the technology of the universe and you are an astrologist yeah. and I've, yeah. dab- I've dabbled but not consider myself an, an expert but to me <laughs> astrology absolutely is based off of the mathematics and technology of the universe Yeah, and you know whether it's defined in that manner or not what's the lesson that you've taken? Away, because so many people today don't study astrology. Yeah, a lot of people may look at it and believe in it, mm-hmm. but you—you you actually are an astrologist. Yes, real. Yeah, yeah. So what I take away is
0: that the universe, the divine plan, God, whatever you want to call it, is real. It's real, and and anyone that really spends some time understanding astrology, astrologos you know, the language of the stars. And if you think about it, and when people, even if we're just, you know, speaking, you know, small talk and we, and we talk about God, right. Or even if we go back in time and we think, we think about God, everyone looks up, right. Right. So what I found is astrology really is learning to, to, to speak to, to hear um, the divine plan, to hear. It's the really, it gives you the ability to hear and understand the voice of, of God. I mean, You know, we're, we have to do a lot of work on ourselves to purify ourselves so that we can interpret the information, but it's, it's, it's there. And as, as I grow and in life and in wisdom and I come back and I look at my chart or or my wife's chart or my kids' charts, I I see deeper, deeper patterns because as I become more subtle in the way that I live in the way I perceive, it allows me to perceive more, more subtle patterns.
1: And patterns, I agree, consciously, subconsciously and unconsciously in the quantum patterns are so difficult to understand and astrology allows us to really see patterns of that quantum being, um, which, you know, intrigues me obviously not going too deep for the audience. Um, but you know, one thing that intrigues me as well is in the nonconformity that, you know, you've always been, you know, a medical marijuana guy, obviously one of the first guys in weed maps and Heisman and understanding, you know, Ayurvedic, medicine natural uh and one of the big things that i see is we've gone from you know our feeding whether it be smoking or eating or whatever is we're taking in dis-ease yeah and you're all about ease yes and getting rid of the dis getting rid of the interference Yeah. yeah you know you took a pretty big stand when I was running Lee Steinberg, in fact, and you know, as a nonconformist, you put your you know financial future at jeopardy for what you believe in. How did astrology, to you know, affect your opinion of you know what you felt is a natural way to put yourself at ease? Which now, by the way, the NFL supports and yeah. Major League Baseball supports. And-
0: yeah, yeah, th- things are things are changing. So from a from an astrological perspective. Again, we look at patterns and and try to understand these these larger these larger movements and I don't want to get too deep, but but the planet neptune um, so astrology is a language, and the so the way it works is everything that we can experience in the world has to have some kind of label or title so that you can, we can talk about it right That's a language, and so cannabis. Um, all entheogens, psychedelics, they all are in a category that in astrology we say is ruled by Neptune or Pisces. And so these frequencies are, are negative frequencies that allow us to be receptive to receiving subtle subtle information, to be more aware of subtle energies. And it's really simple, right? If, if we all got really, really quiet and did like a brief five-minute meditation, okay, and it got really still, okay, whether it was we'd start to notice our own thoughts more, we might even start to notice some fantasies and daydreams that we have, right? We might even notice some sounds, right? That kind of receptivity is really what it's about. Or you have a couple of drinks, okay? Or you're in the middle of an ayahuasca ceremony, or, you, or you're or you consuming cannabis, where you go to that space where you're more receptive to subtle energies, okay? Um, it's the same state. My Meditation is ruled by Neptune and Pisces, okay? So, Um, Neptune is moving through the sign of Pisces and it's been there since 2010. It'll be there till 2024. And so what it's saying is the universe needs to chill out. Right, and what we've seen in this time, and I think what we're going to see before Neptune leaves Pisces is we're, we're going to see the, regula- the regulation and legalization of cannabis. We're going to see mushrooms. We're going to see other entheogens because it's like the world and there's so much going on in the world. And I think the message is if we don't learn to connect to spirit or to, to some more subtle form of wisdom, we're going to be in trouble. And so we're seeing these opportunities for us as, hu- as humankind to have a better relationship with these substances.
1: Yeah, and the pandemic may have been seen as part of that programmatic plan as well. Um, one of the beliefs that changed my life, so I, you know, started after I left Patrick Henry in, in a very conformist way, going to law school, all about the dollar, running Samsung's phone division, then Lee Steinberg, all, and then I had a transformation. I had a quantum shift in my life, uh, which ended up, you know, fortunately, I lost everything and then made it back a different way. Money had a different energy in my life. But it was based off of one simple thing that I'd be curious for you is my life didn't really take on its purpose until I realized one, which you've already stated, there's something bigger than me. That's all knowing, omniscient and all powerful. But the second thing I want to ask you about is so important that I believe that there is something bigger than me that knows everything is omniscient and all powerful. And it loves me as much as I love my own kids. I have four of them. And that faith, whether it's non-religious, non-spiritual, non-philosophical, but that faith majority of the time that I live has changed my life because it's shifted all activity and all perception. Uh, Do you believe that the omniscient, all-powerful has relationship to us? And if so, what is that relationship? Is it one of love? Is it just one of science?
0: So definitely there's a relationship and I, I think As far as the functional part of that relationship, it, it has everything to do with, with our relationship to it. You know, it's like, I I have a sister and and again, we all grew up in the church and she had a, a really tragic experience of losing a child. And she went through this dark night of the soul where for her, like that energy let her down. And so the love the ble- whatever we want to say is there she wasn't receptive to it so the functional effect of that relationship was that god was was not not on her side and so that's what she ex- that's what she experienced um me on the other hand you know like i i will live and die by by my faith because my belief is is the only is the only shot we got we got to believe in something you know, we got to believe in something. And I, I truly believe we have this ability to perceive truth. And if that we believe hard enough, right, we're going to believe in the wrong things. But if we keep believing, we're going to figure it out. And eventually we're going to find something that actually resonates with us. And and that's what I found. And so my relationship with that divine being is that um, that there's a plan and there's love, but there's also a directive of you're either going to contribute to the plan or you're going to contribute to not the plan. And for me, I'm always trying to contribute to the plan. And so it's love, but it's, it's love that's, that's acted on. It's about acts, right? Not about sitting and saying, you know, I need this. (laughs) I want this. I need this. You know?
1: The other thing I'm really curious about too, is the reconciliation of, two different frequencies one the truth love thought and then the man-made construct of time yeah and it's interesting because astrology is actually one of the things that reconciles time with faith or thought or love and beyond that though you're an extraordinary entrepreneur you have this brand heisman uh with you know the ability you've done other business ventures as well all interrelated though to what you're passionate about which i think so important but In that reconciliation, I see so many people, especially today, having a conflict, that they have inner soul beliefs and purposes of a higher self, but they're stuck to either attaching their emotions to an outcome of the dollar or defining themselves by their bank account or by what other people think is a big one, especially today, fear of missing out, fear of other people's opinion are two of the killers out there. How do you reconcile what we believe in you and I this higher source with hey we're living in the pragmatic man-made construct of time <laughs> you didn't know this audio oh interview god. is going this way right this
0: is this is like it's such a great question because like what you just nailed it that's really what's, what everyone on to some extent is is really is really wrestling with and it was really at the heart of what Martin Luther King Jr preached is that there are man-made laws and there are god laws and we need to try to live to where there there's more overlap and I think it's recognizing that we've inherited this program to create our lives through conflict, right? It's almost like if we don't have something that we're complaining about or something that's not right, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know the, what to do. Dow, man. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like we don't,
0: people, we don't know how to create from space. We always have to create from, from tension and conflict. And even the way that we're raised, right? One of the first words that a kid learns is no. Right. And so you learn. Right. What you're learning is I have these urges that uh, I'm going to get punished if I don't find a way to deal with them. And so that creates conflict inside of us. And I think that's part of the conditioning process. But I think as we start to become conscious adults, we have to realize there needs to be a a deconditioning and a reconditioning process. And I've prioritized my reconditioning process is that I'm no longer going to create through conflict. So I had a a conversation with my son. He's a sophomore at University of Oregon. And he sent me a text and he says, I have a conflict. He says, I'm in school and I'd rather be doing art than going to to class. What do I do? And I said...
1: (laughs) Why don't you study art? <laughs> yeah. Very Wayne Dyer of you by the way. His daughter would to drop out of Miami cuz she liked music. Yeah. And he's like, "Okay."
0: Yeah. yeah, so I was like, "Why don't you study art?" You know, and he, and then he was like, I said, "You know, did you don't know, cuz it seemed like he like he went straight for the conflict. And I was like, "You don't have to create from conflict. You can say, okay, there's this and this instead of how do these things, how do I get this
1: and still get this? It's how do I have both? Right? How can I bring these two things together?" It's so funny you say that because I do a lot of executive coaching with some very high-level executives who are well-known. And so many times they come to me with what they think is a struggle or a conflict, yeah, yeah. right? And they'll say, Dave, what do I do? Either this or this? I said, the first thing you should do is get in the habit of asking, how can I do both? Yes. Well, That's the first step yep. because that resolves as the Tao says right this idea of judgment and condition yeah. that that is not real yeah. and so many people make it so real yeah. and then actually make it their resistance yeah. as well yeah. um <laughs> the amount of energy people invest into
0: it, it's it's mind boggling
1: my and, yeah. in you know what's nice about um you know much older than you even is that i love looking back in my own life and and looking to see how much time emotion energy value and money so I live at speed. So I believe, you know, the speed in which I can get back to center, get back to neutral. I have a friend who I went to college with, Trevor Moad, who, uh, you know, was Russell Wilson's mindset coach, but he was all about neutrality. Yeah. And it took me years to understand that you can be too high and too low, not just too low. Yeah. And, you know, that that neutrality, that center, you said something about quiet. And, you know, I've been meditating for 16 years and, First time someone told me to meditate, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a multimillionaire. Why would I meditate? I don't have time to meditate. Now I can't live without the practice of being quiet. Um, as an athlete, especially running backs, uh, there's a certain vision that you exists that are outside of you know the optics of our eyes. And I always say there's a key indication of a great running back or a punt returner um, for They can see things, but quarterbacks do sometimes they see things behind them and they, it would almost be physically impossible knowing what the characteristics of the eyes are for some of the moves that you made on a field. And we can do the same thing in life. Um, do you believe that awareness is different than vision and how do we practice our awareness? which will make things simpler in our lives to be at peace.
0: That's an interesting question. I do. When I think of awareness, I think of, about what people term the, un, the unconscious, because I think of awareness is what we have the capacity to be aware of, you know? Um, but what we actually choose to allow into consciousness or objective consciousness is more of what I think about is about our vision. And so I think awareness is really the respect for, there's a lot of things that we're not aware of and to keep the space open so that information can sh- can show up. And so I had a, a mentor and he would always remind me of the, the hole in the hole, right? <laughs> that there's always there's always gonna be a mystery and to leave space for that mystery. And I think that awareness allows us to encompass all that we are. Cause I think, you know, they say what only 15% of the of the iceberg is above the water, um, right? We're so much we're so much more, and awareness allows us to step into and expand into that moreness.
1: Yeah, in that conflict that we have is just being able to. You know deal with infinity to deal with limitlessness yeah and i think the more we get into the social media people don't understand the size scope and scale of the connectedness just of human beings yeah. and we're starting to realize that because we're accessing or we're accessible to each other for the first time where it's not just you know san carlos california with three hundred thousand people and you know that's your world it's now you don't know where and who and how but we're all connected
0: yeah and that's, I remember when, you know, when, when I first started getting, uh, becoming active on Twitter and, you know, I was, I was playing around with being a nonconformist, of just be really just being more authentic. And, and I could feel the impact of when I would push the send button on that tweet and knowing that it was going out to so many people that some idea in my head was being broadcast to so many people. And that what we don't realize is, you know, our unconscious takes on every it records, everything we experience, even if our consciousness can't understand it. And so when we put something out into the world, information, it's going in there, it's planting seeds, they might, they, you know, might not bloom for a long time, but but putting truth, you know, at least as we experience it out there is, is,
1: is cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that uh, most people uh, haven't seen Ricky William in Williams in this side of it. But I certainly this is what I most respect about you and have for years, and most proud, I I will say that, Ricky donated the football field at my high school, and at the time, (laughs) they wanted to take his name down because he he was supporting marijuana, medical marijuana, believe it or not. And uh, I remember having a conversation with the school myself saying, hey, look, give him his money back. You can take his name down. Thank goodness they didn't because that was extremely generous uh, to the community as well. Well, you are the spirit of excellence. You may have won the Heisman, the founder of Heisman, uh, but you are a amazing spiritual being having a human existence and experience here with us. And l- love to do more with you, share that wisdom because more people need to hear. I know people look up to you for your athletic ability, but I think there's far, far more they can learn than just watching you play football for years. It's uh, an incredible enlightenment being here with you. Thank you so much, Ricky.
0: Oh, this was great. And I think I'll, you know, all my years playing football really prepared me for for my spiritual life. I remember I was in India taking my first uh, yoga teacher's training course. And we were up at six, you know, morning meditation, an hour and a half of yoga, class all day, yoga in the afternoon. I was like, this is training camp. And <laughs> yeah. literally like everyone else, like training camp was complaining about the schedule. And I was like, I was, I was trained for this.
1: Yeah. yeah. That definite adherence and consistent, persistent behavior. Well, this is Dave Meltzer with the incredible Man and Heisman the incredible NFL superstar and dear friend of mine, alumnus of my high school, the incredible Ricky Williams